This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is John Becker, CEO of the United Soybean Board. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with John Becker next. In rural America, there are three things that never change. The land, the determination of the families that farm it, and the loyalty of their co-ops, which provide the markets, inputs, and agronomic expertise farmers and ranchers need to stay profitable. CHS, the nation's leading cooperative, is proud to connect member cooperatives and producers to the value of an energy, grains, and food company they own. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. After over two decades of leadership for the United Soybean Board, John Becker will retire from his post at the end of the year. Becker said USB has grown far beyond what he expected in the 90s, not only in greater volumes of soybean production and use, but especially in industry participation that can be measured in dollars and cents. At that time, USB leveraged very little money, a couple million dollars from government funds from FAS, but nothing from industry. And currently, we leverage about $115 million against industry. So about $12 million from FAS, and then about $100 million from industry. So what that means is for every dollar that we're investing on behalf of the grower, we're investing at least another dollar of that industry is putting into this to help make soybeans more profitable for soybean farmers. John, in the early 90s, we didn't have as many soybean acres and productivity per acre, not nearly as high as it is today. You're clearly working with a larger volume of both supply and demand. Well, we are. And you know what's interesting is we were always a volume-based planning process at USB and really focused on growing the, the amount of soybeans to uh, meet the demand that was, was continuing to grow globally. One of the unique features at USB was that by writing a one-page strategic plan, we were able to take that to industry and in a few seconds, 30 seconds or so, they could actually see what USB was all about, what where the organization wanted to go. And it, it made for uh, a real opportunity to sit down and have a dialogue. We were at about 2.2 billion, with a B, bushels. When we wrote our first strategic plan, it was a 10-year plan. No one writes 10-year plans anymore. Um, but at that time, it was feasible. And the goal was to uh, move the industry to a 3 billion bushel crop in 10 years. Um, that was achieved actually two years early. It was achieved in eight years. And now we're looking at a 4.25 or so uh, billion bushel crop, which, uh, you know, you look at it and you, you just see the the change in the industry and the change in dynamics. It's really, really gratifying. So while U.S. producers have been growing in terms of their overall volume, your competition of the Southern Hemisphere has also been growing. So exponential increase in numbers of soybeans produced in the world, but also an exponential increase in the need for soybeans. Absolutely. And part of what had been undertaken in the last 50 years in the soybean industry was to grow that pie and really move the industry globally 
to a much larger uh, production uh, situation and interest a lot of more people in growing the kinds of things that eat soybeans, like pork and poultry. And uh, that that has worked very well for us. I think we, we've done, we've reached a point, though, that we need to be looking more at the markets for U.S. soybeans rather than spending as much time growing the pie. And that has been a change that's been underway uh, for the last several years as we look at the opportunity to export more soybeans from the U.S. I remember in the 90s, uh, United Soybean Board had a program, Richard Borgesmiller uh, from Illinois, uh, was talking about the Better Bean Initiative, the idea of growing a higher quality soybean across the board in the U.S. And here it is, 2017, and you really haven't changed that focus, have you? No, we've not. And here's what's interesting. Um, USB is very long-term in its focus. And I no more than uh, got here and, and figured out where my office chair was, uh, and we got the results of uh, the study that was probably um, the definitive study on transfats. And um, USB had funded a large part of that study, and we obviously found out that transfats were bad. From that, we began develop- working with ARS to develop what a better bean could and would look like for soybean producers in the U.S. We started with a better bean initiative, attempting to communicate with the industry on a a large-scale basis the benefit and the need for better soybeans. That grew into an organization that we founded called Qualisoy, uh, and that then turned into the Hyolaic activity that the board has undertaken uh, and has led to, finally, at this point, uh, almost all of the global approvals for Hyolaic soybeans. And we've got three-quarters of a, a million acres of Hyolaic uh, soybeans growing today. We expect that that will be, by about 2026, that will be 18 million acres. And if, if you look at current uh, acreages, that would make it the fourth largest commodity crop in the U.S. between corn, commodity, soy, and wheat. Is that the end of the story for new food uses from the plant, or do you think there are yet still other opportunities that will unfold? Well, I think we're at the threshold of some major opportunities, and our latest strategic plan, the vision is innovation beyond the bushel. We all know that yield is important, but we also need to look at how we produce uh, our crop in a sustainable fashion uh, and how we create uh, better profit opportunities for U.S. soybean producers. So one of the hallmarks, obviously, is the continuation of the Hyolaic program because it's going to take another eight or nine years to, to reach that goal that's been set out. But on the meal side, we're looking at enhanced nutritional energy meal, uh, reduced carbohydrate soy uh, meal, and opportunities to change the, the, the way farmers look at how they produce their soybeans and really looking at constituent values 
and producing uh, understanding what the processor is looking for, not necessarily what the processor says they're, they're, they're paying for, uh, but what the processors are actually looking for and how the processors value their soybeans. So thinking also of items that you could not have put on a strategic plan back in the early 90s, who could have seen the way that biotechnology would change the way farmers produce crops and also the productivity that would come from that as well, the acceptance by consumers and by your global customers? That's been a really interesting highlight of my career at USB. Looking at the situation that existed in 1997, first soybeans began to move internationally and how that was handled versus how we are addressing the next new set of technologies, which is CRISPR, uh, is a, a unique story in and of itself. Uh, but certainly the opportunity for farmers to grow a crop using products of biotechnology uh, really offered uh, great benefits both from a cost standpoint, uh, from an environmental standpoint, uh, and certainly from a sustainability standpoint. Uh, and that pro- helped propel uh, the growth in soybean acres uh, as well and helped move us uh, into a period where We've seen almost constant growth uh, in acreage and certainly in yields uh, as we've uh, moved forward. And it really allows us the opportunity to be able to write the kind of plan that USB wrote that really focuses on the meal itself and improving the elements of the meal. Could you have seen the potential of biodiesel so many years ago and now realizing that there is so much more potential, not just in the U.S., but globally? Well, it's a, it's a very interesting story, and as we were going through the transfat issue, where literally U.S. soybeans had about an 80% share of the U.S. cooking oils, to the transfat situation where transfats were labeled, we lost about 6 billion pounds, four of it almost immediately. And fortunately, we had biodiesel uh, to bridge that gap, and they've really, uh, biodiesel's taken up m- most, if not all, of that reduction that we had. So it was really a stabilizing factor in terms of price uh, for uh, soybean producers. But certainly we've got bioheat and other uh, activities and other opportunities that present themselves that will help produce uh, greater profit opportunities for farmers. John, from your perspective, what do you see as the biggest threats or biggest opportunities yet ahead for the soybean and the soybean industry? I think the, the biggest threat, frankly, is not improving our product. Yes, we have a great product, and the, the fact is that um, it, it's, it's come a long ways, and over the last 50 years it's grown in popularity, it certainly fed a lot of animals uh, and fed a lot of humans. Uh, but we're in an age where I really believe that we need to recognize that uh, we need to improve the product. Uh, it's got to become better. And the obvious reason is because um, many people look at the industry and look at the threat of increased production of soybeans elsewhere in the world. And that certainly is one of the factors. However, we've got increasing uh, competition on the meal side from canola, from DDGs, 
and certainly from crystal manufactured amino acids. Um, we've got a growing uh, palm oil industry globally that's taking more and more of the edible oil market. So there's numerous threats to the industry, and it really, I believe, is really the call to the U.S. soybean producers who have a, a tremendous opportunity because we have a checkoff program that most other countries don't have the advantage of having and the ability to amass funds to really work in a direction that's going to benefit the soybean producers. John, not just the soy checkoff, but it seems as though in the U.S., checkoff programs have come under increased scrutiny. Uh, what are the biggest misperceptions people have about checkoffs, and what role can they play, should they play, in a commodity's future? The biggest misconception that exists today, I think, is at the congressional level. So we're seeing bills that are being created by Congress to change checkoffs. And to many in Congress, they view checkoffs as a tax. In fact, one of the visits that one of my uh, associates had in, with a congressional aide uh, they were asked where the soybean checkoff was in the in the federal budget. Well, the fact is that these programs have federal oversight, but they're farmer-funded, and that's a huge misconception. I think that the industry overall and the checkoff programs overall uh, have a responsibility to educate and to ensure that people understand what these programs really are not what they're perceived to be, and uh, provide hel uh, helping uh, information for people to understand the value of these programs. Our program uh, has a return on investment of $5.24 uh, for every dollar invested. That's, that's huge. Where do, where do you get that kind of investment? Um, certainly not in land anymore. Uh, and uh, T-bills don't yield that. So this is a, a good investment for farmers. Um, and most uh, importantly, the farmers actually make the decisions on how that money is, is spent. So uh, it's not uh, going into a black hole. John, you have one commodity, and you have the same group of farmers, but you have two organizations with different job descriptions. So how do you maintain your identity yet still work together? What have you learned through that process, and what advice do you give to other commodity organizations who are in the same boat? Well, I think there's a, a very fine line that uh, that has to be walked in in this situation. And we're not unlike other commodities that have an association and a checkoff. Um, but clearly we, we need to delineate the lines between the organizations, um, and, and each needs to stay in their lane. Uh, I think that's the advice I would give anyone. Um, but at the same time, there are opportunities to work together uh, to share information, share understanding of the issues that are, are presented to us, some of those issues are going to be undertaken by the association. Uh, some of those issues are to be undertaken by the checkoff. And uh, having that communication 
understanding what the really big issues are that, that need to be addressed by the industry, uh, and then ensuring that everybody stays in their own lane is, is really critically important. Your retirement is a, is a turning of a chapter in John Becker's life. Uh, with regard to the soybean industry, uh, Steve Sinsky uh, appears to be headed toward the Department of Agriculture. And your retirement, that means two of the key leaders of the organizations that represent soybeans are going to find new faces. What challenge and what opportunity now lies uh, with the industry and with the leaders of each respective group? Well, I think the big challenge is to find uh, those people that fit the parameters of each of our organizations that are going to create the opportunities to, to move us to the future. But that's also the great opportunity. Uh, I think that uh, as, as we look at how organizations develop and how they change or don't change over time, I think it's important to recognize that the farmer leaders have the opportunity and have the information to sit down and decide what kind of leadership they want for the future. So as I look around, it appears to me, and it's one of the reasons I decided to leave when I did, um, it appears to me that we're really reaching a crossroads in, in, the, uh, in agriculture in general, and I think that that creates um, a lot of opportunity. Um, I don't know exactly what that opportunity is yet, but I know that with all of the uh, new technologies, the big data, once we get that all sorted out, and really uh, take advantage of that, reach beyond agriculture perhaps for help there, um, that you know may, may really require a different skill set than, than has been in the past. So you know, these kinds of things, these kind of changes I think are good, and uh, I'm really excited about the future of agriculture and the future of soybeans. John, you spent 23 years as CEO of a commodity group. 23 years. What did you learn over 23 years about being a CEO, and what advice do you have for others? Well, I learned um, that um, you can get a lot done if you really don't care uh, who takes credit. And uh, the old adage is that, uh, you know, success has many parents and, and failure is an orphan. And... Uh, that's that's really true uh, because it really takes a lot of consensus building in the industry, and I I learned that very quickly uh, at USB. I also learned that this is, uh, and all you have to do is take a step back uh, to realize this that this is a huge industry, um, and uh, agriculture is a huge industry. Uh, it seems small by comparison with less than two percent of the people involved. But everyone interacts with everyone else through the value chain. And having the opportunity to uh, understand what the art of the possible is and just how long it takes to make good things happen in the industry and how much time has to be devoted and how you really have to have faith and stick with uh, uh, things and keep them moving along uh, has really been a major learning for me. Uh, it's made me a much more patient person and a much more humble person. 
John Becker, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic, and I'd like to thank you for 23 years of service to the soybean industry and to agriculture. The program is Open Mic, and John, you have an open forum. Well, thank you, and uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to uh, have worked in this industry for 23 years. Prior to that, I worked on conservation and water quality issues with farmers, so it's been about a 30-year career with agriculture. I truly appreciate the uh, farmers that I've dealt with along the way. Uh, I've also really appreciated uh, the opportunity to work with the farm press. They're great people, ask tough questions, but really good people and really care about agriculture. I really have had the great opportunity to work with people from industry who really care about what they do care about making farmers more profitable and you know if if industry has a product and farmers don't benefit that product is not going to go very far and so there's great recognition that we're all in this together i look forward to uh, the next step in my life and what i'd like to do is move on and perhaps work with someone bringing some new technologies uh, to the industry or perhaps someone outside of agriculture that can be interested in bringing new perspectives and new ideas. It's been a great run for me. It's been uh, a real pleasure to work in the industry. I guess as I look at the next few years, I'm actually looking forward to reducing the number of hours that I work in a year and uh, still at the same time be productive and do good things for society and uh, help mankind move to a brighter future. Our thanks to John Becker, CEO of the United Soybean Board, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Learn more at chsinc.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.